the Rafi Fernand and Mika Fabella. So uh, just for um, FA 104, so the creative professional. So basically, uh, thanks for uh, agreeing to talk to me and my, my students, the class. Um, so I told you guys we're here basically to talk about, um, you know, uh, most of the students are uh, in the creative fields. Uh, some are writers, some of them are uh, designers, some would enter uh, uh, video editing, some are performers. Um, so you know, basically what they want to find out, what I want to talk to you guys about is um, your own, um, how you guys got your careers, what the experiences you have both as, as freelancers, as people who want to start their own business, be your own bosses, but also being in the creative fields. So um, could, could you guys give me some a background about uh, yourselves? How did you get into the, the, the different fields that you, you're in right now? Okay. Go ahead. This is a little complicated. Yeah. So, um, well, as you know, yeah. my, my, my background is in dance. I yeah. started dancing in Bali, Philippines. I now work in esports, yeah. and how I got there is not, I'm not, even I'm not quite sure, <laughs> but I think it was really just jumping at any opportunity that could present itself. Um, from dance, I got into a little bit of writing. Um, from writing, I got, that got me into a little bit of film and production. And from behind the camera, that got me into a little bit of on-camera stuff, and that eventually landed me into being a courtside reporter for TV5. Yeah. And because I enjoy video games, they put me in esports. So that's kind of how you know a little far-fetched, but that's how how it went there. But I, I think that's also an example of how um, very diverse like uh, set of skills in one field can translate into other fields as well. Right. Okay, uh, Well, so my, my dad. Yeah, my dad is a filmmaker and videographer, and growing up, he used to take me to his work to assist him, yeah. and that's when I that's when I got introduced to the field of uh, filmmaking and videography. And then college, um, my course was in mass media in La Salle, and then I went to digital filmmaking and CSB. And then from there, from then on, I just stuck through it and ventured into filmmaking. And then. I met Mika through when I produ when I directed my first uh, full-length documentary, and we worked together there. And that's how I got into it. So for you guys, like how when, when you were deciding, how important was it that um, you had to be in you know, these fields that you're interested in, like video or with you, Mika? Like you had to do a shift basically from performance, but but you had your your other interests like you know, gaming stuff and, and you did geek stuff. You know. So how like for, for people like you, how important is it that? Um, you know, your interests are part of your your everyday career. For me, it's it's very important. Actually, it's what drives a lot of my choices, um, especially career-wise. Um, mostly because uh, when I when I when I was still dancing, when I wasn't working yet, um, the group of people around me that I surrounded myself with were geeks, and were also working in you know with with some some kind of relation to their passions and to their interests. And so when I when I started looking for work, I thought that you know if if, if they can pursue their interests and work at the same time, why not? So like like Rafi and I used to say, if you're going to exert this amount of effort for something that you're not passionate about, versus you know working for something that you are passionate about, then why not just do the win-win scenario? Um, so that's why we always that's why I choose to always go for towards something that I'm interested in that I'm not passionate about because you know work, working working is not easy even if it's if, if even if it's in gaming even if it's something related to you know um, something that looks like fun it is still work so in order to you know be able to pull through that every single day I think you have to have some kind of love for what you're doing every day. Hmm. Is there that <laughs> like, like some of my students uh, one thing we, we talk about 
it's, there's always uh, I, I share with that myself I, I, like, like you guys I've also I found ways to make my, my interests my hobbies into a part of my career but there's always the danger that the thing that you love it, it more than your work becoming like your passion your passion feels like work how do you find that balance so you know, that, that you're suddenly oh my gosh like oh, gaming is not just love or oh, I'm doing videos now uh, you know, it, it doesn't go the other way in a, Instead of making work seem more fun, it makes what was fun now seem like work. Oh, Actually, it's it, really hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good, interesting question because um, so when I started, actually, um, I didn't take uh, videography or filmmaking seriously up until I took a chance in 2013 or late 2012, something like that. I took a chance, uh, I got my first camera. And then I went to Bali, Philippines. Luckily, I had access to Bali, Philippines, like freely. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to Bali, Philippines. I asked the, the then artistic director if I could, you know, experiment, take videos of the rehearsals. Yeah. So I did that. And then I came up with a video, gave it to them, and artistic director really liked it. And, enjoyed, and I was just really experimenting. It was out of fun. Um, I wanted to test, like, certain editing ideas and all that. And when they liked it and I found passion in that um, that's when I started considering now hey maybe this is a career path for me um, going back to your question after five years of doing that it became kind of really tiring like uh, I, I, I got bored with it I, I couldn't find any ideas it wasn't challenging me anymore so I got a little bit burnt out in that so um, what I did was I I was able. I was lucky enough also again to be able to have the opportunity to work with a studio, uh, Prodigy Ace. So that it was a different. It was the same field. It was still video and filmmaking, but it was because uh, um, it was more corporate, and that was interesting in, on my end because after five years or so of doing like artistic yeah. shots and all this, corporate was very rigid. You know, there has to be. It has to be boarded. It has there's a script, strict follow, and so that re-energized me um, into you know, it, it saved me from my burnout area. Yes, <laughs> so like the constraints actually of, of being a professional actually, you found it more energizing actually than it was challenging. Yeah. So yeah, so it was it was same field but different. Yeah, right. Application. Yeah, application of it. So yeah, the the, the challenge reignited my passion for it. I agree. I, I mean, I think if you're working in a field that you're passionate about, um, you know, work work is still work. It will get tiring. It will get, I mean, like, I, I haven't had the opportunity to play games ever since working in games, which is the most <laughs> ironic thing. You ask anybody who's working in, in esports or gaming and they'll actually say, I haven't been able to play anything at all. Um, but the the thing is because because you do you do love it and you are passionate about it you know even if you, even if it gets tiring even gets bored like rap um, like Rafi said you will eventually find something that's there to challenge you and I think every day you can still do that um, you know as as opposed to something that you might not be interested in as much it will be harder to find that spark that's something that you love but I think if it if it's you know something that you're passionate about then those things will come a little more easily and you just have to keep on finding that every single day. Because after, so being in corporate for a while now, um, I kind of miss already doing the artistic stuff. So right, right now, parang, I want to go so, back to the artistic. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So like both of you, so in corporate, were you uh, working for them as an employee? Or no, freelancer. Um, freelancer. Because yeah. uh, like part of the things we talk about in our class, we 
tell the students that you know there are different paths you can take, whether it's an employee, as uh, a freelancer, or start your own business. Mm -hmm. Rabbi, you're, you're planning to start your own business, mm -hmm. uh, unique as a freelancer, basically, you are your own business also. But um, for example, um, Unika, when you were with, with a company like Valley Philippines, and basically Valley down like my, my wife, but mm -hmm. when you're a company member, you're like an employee. Basically, yes. whatever they say goes, you just follow. But, uh, did, did you ever work as an employee, Rob, before? No. <laughs> so you're from freelancers trade and all yeah. this. Yeah. What, what was the transition, like for you, Mika, like transition from being self a company member, you know, working for a company where you set everything to be a freelancer, what was the shift like? And Rob, for you, like now you're, you, you say that you're not planning to start your own production company and all that. What's, what, what, how do you perceive the shift being from doing a freelancer and now having to have uh, like a company where you may have to have employees and other people? How do you imagine the, the shift in, in like me or in, in your working style me. I, I think like we do agree that some corporate experience is is necessary. Like yeah. you know maybe a, a couple of years or three, um, because I only felt the shift was necessary when um, I was working full time actually around uh, 2017, and then uh, there was a certain point wherein people started approaching me as an individual, and when that reached a sort of critical point, and I realized that I would be benefiting more from these individual opportunities rather than just staying with the company. Um, I, I realized that it was time to leave. And I think the company recognized that also and they actually realized that it might be beneficial for them to have a connect that was out there and going around. As you with these sports as a full as employee? I, I was I was actually with Prodigy Ace ah, as a Prodigy as a full-time full um, employee. Yeah. And um, at that time I also felt because there was a there was a bit of a um, a change in direction for the company. So when they took the more corporate uh, route versus the creative, there wasn't, and they hired. They originally hired me as a creative. So when that when that um, change happened, uh, I, I felt a little redundant, like I wasn't really doing anything because there there, there was no creative um, arm to, to to for for me to work for anymore. And I was just there basically to come up with like you know scripts and you know pitches and everything. Um, and and then when these you know individual things started coming out, it really looked a lot more appealing. And um, I, I did have to like you know evaluate, sit down, do the math. Yeah. I'm like, is this really you know worth it or something? But um, when I really put myself out there and decided, okay, I'm going freelance, the the, the those opportunities that were approaching me multiplied, like even exponentially, I'd say. Right. Um, well, so I've been a freelance for I think over 10 years now and so recently my, my business partner and I decided what if we put up our own production company so my business partner was also from probably GAs and um, while he while he was still working there with Mika uh, we were already venturing into other clients that probably GAs right. didn't did not tap into and so right now um, we are starting it very slow we don't want to uh, we don't want to there are different types of um, putting up a business case. So like just corporate, right? So right now we're starting very small, but we want to start well. So yeah. we're starting it with sole prop first. Yeah. So with that, on that regard, the transition, I think anyway, I'm not there yet, but the transition, transition won't be as drastic as we're thinking it might be. Right. Because we're not looking to hire people just yet. So we're still gonna tap. Uh, we're, gonna, we're still gonna tap freelancers. Yeah. And yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll still have the same process basically. We're just more legitimate 
this time around. Are you bootstrapping it? Parang, yeah. you know, don't overexpand those. Right, anymore. not so quickly. Right, right. I, I think it's also a shift in the working environment. I yeah. mean, like, you know, if you, if you told me to go freelance maybe like 10 years ago, I would have been really, really scared. Yeah. But I think nowadays companies are a lot more open to hiring freelancers, to outsourcing, yeah. you know, um, other things. Like in our, in, our um, uh, in production, for example, there a lot of companies actually outsource their um, production, uh, you know, when, when, when they have shoots and everything. And a lot of uh, companies also outsource their writers, or a lot of companies outsource their talents. So I think it's a friendlier environment yeah. now yeah. for freelancers than it was um, you know, even five years ago maybe. Actually, because, of the, because the workforce right now is slowly being dominated by the new generation. Uh, I don't want to put labels, but for the sake of this conversation, millennials, yeah. right? It's being, millennials are slowly, you know, taking over. And it's that generation, our generation, that is more open to the idea of uh, online uh, meetings, online working. So it, it, freelancing seems to be a, a more viable option nowadays in that regard. How do you guys, like, trends like that, right? Especially as a freelancer, as a, as a, as a small business owner. I think the key, one of the key skills is trying to find where these opportunities, where these changes. So uh, even if you're saying that you know, finding a professional opportunity which gives you certain certain kinds of constraints, it gives you new challenges. So how do you guys find, you know, uh, keep yourselves aware of those challenges or keep aware of these opportunities out there? You know, because like if you're an employee, basically, you just wait for to come to tell you what to do, right. the job, and you just hope that the, the challenge will come. But here, it's the honest on you guys to find. Them. So how do you find? You Hi guys. <laughs> Hi. So, uh, so we're really that's that's a really good question, and I think one point that's very important to underscore is that I, I don't think freelancing is for everybody. Um, you have to have I think the right uh, there, you have to have a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit in you as well if you are going to be a freelancer because um, you'll you'll be marketing yourself, you'll be in charge of your own self, which is your own business at the same time. So I, I if, if you are the type that's maybe just, you know, wants to like sit back, relax and just, you know, do work and everything, yeah. then maybe actually employment is better for you. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm actually also a little envious of that because, you know, I was just like sit back and relax and everything. But um, and but if you're, you're the type that will, you know, actively, uh, proactively look for opportunities and create opportunities for yourself, then maybe something like this is for you. Um, going back into how do we personally look for opportunities, I, I actually, um, now I'm reaping the benefits of um, different fields and different interests that I work in because all of these networks, you know, even, even something as, uh, as common as like, you know, friend of a friend of a friend, all of these, uh, all of these networks eventually actually gave me connections in the right places. But this was something that I built over, you know, several, several years and I'm only reaping the benefits now. Um, so yes, it does. It does pay to be a little bit of a you know kalkarin and you know going around and putting yourself out there. And I think just really not being afraid to. Um, it might be cheesy, but not being afraid to be you, because if if you have like you know it, it it's a, it's a thing now. But like back then, you know the personal brand yeah, yeah. kind of thing. If people know, oh, it's a Star Wars girl. Yeah, yeah. I have a you know Disney is coming up with three Star Wars. You can get her. You know, even even something as simple as that actually benefited me. And, then, and and added to that personal brand of mine, which I can now reap the benefits for. Sorry, can you repeat the question again? So, like, how, how do you keep yourself aware of it? You always have to find opportunities, um, challenges out there. How, how do you um, keep your mind open and uh, when the, you, you won't miss an opportunity because you're always aware of that? Right. Well, um, 
so one thing that I noticed in in my field anyway is that Filipinos are great at copying uh, if they see something for example uh, in, in the wedding industry right so right right when video cameras and laptops became more powerful um, there's this thing called same-day edits yeah. so there's this one guy Jason Magbanwa he, he pioneered the same-day edit right and after a year all of a sudden like dozens of studios could now do the same day edits sometimes as good or even better so Filipinos copy uh, they're great at copying but one thing that Filipinos are not really great at is being innovative and so I think as a freelancer especially in my field for example um, innovation is very critical Um, when (coughs) starting this company uh, we're entering as okay yeah we're great at doing weddings we're great at doing coverages we're great at doing agency materials and all that but the question that we always want to answer is how do we how do we differentiate ourselves so I think that's the challenge right there and with the help of social media platforms the help of IG Facebook really help those platforms really help us get into the trend into the mindset of people and actually if we're clever enough we can actually uh, for uh, what do you call this we can actually um forecast yeah, what the future trend will be or even actually spearhead a certain trend so I think like with the new generation of you know workforce and freelancers out there the tools are ready the tools are out there it's just you know it, it's it's how to be creative and innovative and clever and you know marketing yourself or your product or your company or your creativeness how, how what I'm seeing now is basically it, it, it's getting yourself out there is a mix of a lot of personal networking, a lot of leveraging social media. Um, how how much, like for example, how much of that? Uh, a lot of people think, okay, I'm a professional uh, videographer. I'm working. Of course, they try to imagine how much of a percentage of the days doing the actual work. How much time do you, do you feel you have to invest in the marketing side of it? Basically, uh, social, checking social media, posting social media, or in, in, in keeping social, even if it's not a direct line thing, but you know, just keeping up social so you might need something later on. How much like uh, how much of your time do you, do you think that does that take up? Oh, I like I, I, I basically my work has revolved around Facebook. All of like communications are usually done via Facebook. If there's a project, there's an event, a group chat is created, and you know it's it's all on Facebook and Messenger. So I, I uh, it's hard to say it's hard to give a you know yeah, definitive yeah. answer for that question because I basically live on Facebook yeah 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 like when I when, when I wake up the first thing I do is check Facebook but not so much for socials it's like upgrade on group chats what what is, is this event pushing through yeah. you know what's the latest update do I have to update the script or anything um, so because like my work has kind of integrated itself into um, social media I would say it's basically 100% of the time it's uh, um, for for me personally both Things are, you know, you cannot um, work on one without working on the other. Yeah, right. Yeah, I agree. I think it's um, you have to make it close to 100 percent because one, if you're in the creative field, you have to be abreast with the current trends and current situation, and the best platform for that is in social media. And then two, for marketing side and marketing yourself, everybody right now looks at either IG or Facebook. Interesting thing, so my, an editor friend of mine went into this conference or whatever. It was like a social gathering, a networking gathering thing. And he brought 
calling cards, printed out calling cards. But he noticed when people talk, they now show the calling card right now, nowadays, is your IG, your Instagram. And that's when he realized, okay, I'm an editor, but my works are not in IG. So he started, you know, doing 30 second clips to 10, 20 second clips, put it in IG. So now it's easier. It's like, if I'm talking to you, your potential client, I can directly show you a snippet of my work. So, yeah. So even the portfolio itself, or yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think even like, you know, little things that you might not think are related to work, but actually are. Like, for example, you know, I, I have a contact on Facebook. He might be a producer or something, and he posts a status, and I, you know, you know, something like, oh, I agree. Like, I agree, or let's have coffee sometime. You know, you, that that might be like a very social media Facebooky kind of thing to do, but you might, you might, not, you, you might not know. It might benefit you. Uh, they might fund the project of yours. Uh, keeping up connections like those, which is, you know, uh, you know usually like basic social media stuff. It's what social media is for. Yeah. But it actually crosses over to work. So how would you describe, your, your, that's the marketing size, how would you describe your uh, a typical day as a, as a freelancer? How does, it, how does work and, and, and you know, everyday life sort of merge together? So, so the students have an idea, you know, what's it like? You know, what's, what's a yeah. freelancer life like? There is it's no typical day. <laughs> There's no not wake up nine and go home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like, you'll have some days yeah. where, uh, you know, Shoot call time is 3 a.m. So you're 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 awake at one, having just slept at 11, and then you're you're shooting the whole day, and then you get home at like the same time the next day, and then you'll have days where there is nothing at all, and then you'll have days wherein like for example like uh, like tomorrow for example I'll have a shoot at TV5 at night, um, so my work and coming from rehearsals for from Carousel in the afternoon, so like I'll run over to rehearsals, then I'll run over to the studio for a shoot. Um, and then other days, I'm like, okay, you, 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 you have to be online and stream this thing. So um, what what I like about being a freelancer is that for me there is no typical day. But um, when when it's packed, it's packed. <laughs> when it when it when it rains, it pours. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's part of the appeal for me being a freelancer because I can't. I'm not the kind of person that can handle a nine to five. Uh, I, I did it before. It, it really like killed my soul <laughs> so I I don't like routine because even even things like I, I notice I don't like routine even things like food or, or or like going to the gym I don't like routine I like mixing it up so that that carries on even over to my work I, I like it when my schedule doesn't look the same every single day when it does I start getting bored and that's when I start plateauing so I, I like it when you know um, no other day looks exactly the same as you know yesterday or so, let me give an example. Uh, um, this, this was my schedule uh, at the end of Feb. A week before the end of Feb, we were in Bohol. Right? Yeah. We were in Bohol and I had to shoot. But it was mostly family and vacation. And then when we landed in from Bohol, it was like a week off, for me anyway, it was week, a week off really doing nothing. I was just, you know, at home playing my video games. But right when Feb 29 hit, I went from Manila to Zambales to Manila to Baguio to Manila in a span of four days. So, and then after after that, it was edit, 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 edit. So that's how freelancing life is. Sometimes, in one week, you're not doing anything, and when it hits, bam, And then yeah. for another. That's that's a really good question, and I think. One how do you guys with a wild schedule like that, where everything shifts? On how do you keep track of your schedule? How do you try to? If you have, how do you avoid conflicts of schedule? If you have too many clients in one day, very little another. 
I, I would like to say that I have a high-tech yeah. solution <laughs> and I have a chart and everything, but for me, it's good old-fashioned, I write it down, pen and paper. Uh, pen and paper and different colored pens. That's that's it. Uh, usually, if it's blue, I know it's dance related. Yeah. You know, if it, if it's a if it's purple, I know it's it's something uh, geeky related. If it's a if it's a dark blue, oh okay, I have a TV five shoot. You know, it's it's something as simple as that. Because for me, I'm a very um, I'm the kind of person that if I don't write it down, I forget about it. Um, so for me, write just writing things down and like you know, the moment I get a booking, usually I when you say pencil book, I literally write in pencil. Like you might have something on this date. And then um, once it is booked, then I change the color. I make yeah. it pink or purple or whatever color that I use um, for that. And that's it. That's it. I wish I could say that I had a high-tech, savvy, you know, solution. But it's no, it's colored pens and paper in my journal. For for video production, um, it's a little bit different. So when I was starting up, when I was, like, uh, my first few years in the video industry, I never, ever... Uh, double booked like for me that was the most yeah, dangerous thing to do right. um, up until I gathered my pool of freelancers trusted uh, workmates colleagues and all that during well, once my pool once I had a sufficient enough pool of trusted colleagues I was a little more confident in let's say double booking right um, so it really depends so for example if one on day 29 for example um, it's, you have to balance it also so if this is like an agency high you know high profile case versus let's say events coverage yeah. I would put myself in the high profile if, because it's for example I was I was tasked to direct this and then I would I would team up uh, my pool of freelancers to, to to do the events coverage so it's basically just balancing out your pool so yeah, basically that's how I, you know, that's how I manage delegation. The, the delegation. Yeah. With delegation, I think that's one, correct me if I'm wrong, one big difference in the way the two of you, difference in the way the two of you work. Yours gets a lot more, uh, it's your own personal, personal you know, personal appearance mm-hmm. or performance. Really rough because you can, you can delegate, it's usually, uh, like a video production stuff, it's usually a one-man yeah. thing. With yours, how do you then, like when you have a team, even if it's not, they're not good, but they're, they're, they're collaborators and all that, when people hire you, how do you make sure that the team works like your standards or that is part of yeah. your brand? So that's why it took me a while to create a pool. Yeah. Um, because there are like there are certain people who I know have worked with me and know what my, for example, my style is yeah. and how I want certain things to be. And so if a client looks for my style, I know that these guys can execute it that way. Like these guys are f- flexible enough to know like, the differences and all that. So yeah, that's how I develop my pool. So I only have like a few trusted people that I, get, that I really want to work with. Yeah. yeah. Is it hard to find people like that? Because like I, I, some of the students have asked me before, like for projects, sure. How do we find someone like? Well, and then how do we deal with them? For example, like in terms of um, maybe job like things like contracts, for example, like payment, payment. It's on. It's on really hard. Because one one thing I appreciate with um, uh, this, the younger generation, right? <laughs> younger generation. <laughs> no, because uh, most of the guys that I hire are like twenty five and below. Yeah. And one thing that's nice about them is that they're really like, like, like sponges. Like yeah. they they, they abs- absorb everything. So, actually, the, <laughs> to answer your question directly, there's no like you can get anyone. Honestly, like you guys can get anyone, but if they have to work with you for a number of projects or a certain number of years or time, so that they understand your workflow and understand like how you want certain things. Because everyone can be trained the money. Truth be told. Yeah. So. 
parang I think one of my basic requirements is I've worked with you for at least minimum of like five major projects and we you know we have a camaraderie and you know chemistry and all that then yeah I can I can assign you to work for this client who knows me I, I think it's um uh, because one one of the many jobs that I do uh, I also work for a podcast uh, based in based in the US and they focus on female entrepreneurs and it's a it's a question that comes up a lot. How do you look for the right finder, uh, founder, co-founder, or something? Um, it's a, it's like, it's like dating. So finding the one. I mean, uh, it's, it is really hard as finding the one. Maybe even harder because there's a, I, I would say the there's a, a bit more responsibility. I think in in finding a co-founder. Um, but the a thing that always comes up in the conversations that you know sometimes it's like, it, it's just opening yourself up. Um, putting yourself again putting yourself out there um, making sure you find the right people that complement you not exactly think the, on this like uh, think exactly like you because that might not work if you're starting a company if you're starting a project or anything you have to find people that complement you in just the right way and you might find these people in the most unexpected places they might not exactly be in your friend circle I mean like um, I, I, I I've listened to a lot of founders that have even just you know somebody overheard them in a coffee shop and was interested in their idea something like that um, which apparently happens a lot in like the Bay Area in San Francisco and <laughs> everything um, so I, I would say yeah just being open to opportunities but at the same time being um, making sure that you know uh, I think it's really more of a personality thing you know yeah there, there's a lot of trust that goes into it especially if it's a project that you know that you love an idea maybe that you've been you know, that, 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 that you feel like it's yours a hundred percent but um, long story uh, the short answer is you never know you never know and nobody ever does oh also I forgot to mention um, it's easier in my field because the final output is always uh, r uh, relative to the editing and usually I'm the one who edits it. <laughs> yeah. yeah so I have final control it can be any shooter as right. long as they get the correct shots yeah. so <laughs> see, it's easier for me yeah the comics is very similar it's like me is uh, I, I handle sometimes things like the lettering right uh, reproduction and even sometimes even coloring so yeah. even I have different artists I don't know I can still think I do right yeah. Yeah, fix it a little bit <laughs> right, right before at least you know yeah. you have oh, I don't it's, like, it's like plating right yeah it's exactly it's exactly. like final plating right. so um have you guys had, aside from uh, the successes you've had, do you, you want to share any uh, uh, failures that you've had in your careers or mistakes you've made that you, that you learned from that mm -hmm. others would? would oh, yeah, Because like, very you know, myself as a business person, you know, we always like to talk about like, oh, success. Like, well, yeah, but actually, a lot of the things, you know, we reach out to this, we, we fail a lot of things first. Oh, I wish I hadn't done this. Mm -hmm. and, and when we learn from these things, you know, that's that's actually where we get most of our skills mm -hmm. so you, in your particular fields what were the big uh, you're going to share some mistakes or some uh, failures that uh, you think you learned the most from that shape you know how you work now uh, I'll, I'll give a minor example um, of course being in the gaming industry people were asking if I wanted to stream I said yes of course that's the, 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 that's the dream job so I invested uh, in the hardware for it and everything had a venue to stream and stuff and then I found out that it was not for me, um, it's it, it's too. I I'd say it's too extroverted for me. It's too much of a performance, an exhausting performance at that. Having to having to um, put on basically a one man show for four, five, six hours maybe. It depends on how long you're playing. Um, so that like went on for one month, and then I quickly said, yeah, no, this is not working. 
my streaming equipment's still there. <laughs> I should probably sell it or something, but uh, no, I mean you can still use it for your I, personal. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, can still use it, but uh, basically, long story short, yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Yeah, Produce them now. <laughs> you know, I had to set up the social media page and everything, yeah, and yeah. I found out I'm like. Not yeah, <laughs> no, it's 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 not working. Um, on a more serious, uh, on a more serious level, uh, as a freelancer, uh, of course, um, it's very very beneficial if you have if you're registered, uh, if yeah you if your business name is registered. Um, so I did that back in 2016 uh, when I did work for GMA. Uh, bigger companies will usually require freelancers to have their own official receipts and right. everything. So I did that. And then I got employed full-time in 2017 and I made the mistake of thinking that because I was full uh, I was employed and you know they they were filing my papers for me that I, I didn't have to do anything uh, and then when I resigned in 2018 mm. yes when I was resigned in 2018 uh, and I went back to freelancing I realized I had three years of back taxes because I wasn't filing for those three years and which resulted in yeah. painful penalties um, it, it's not as bad as like say a company um, would be but I it went up to 55,000 which as a freelancer and living you know paycheck to paycheck I was horrified um, but yeah had to start to be like one to two projects right there yeah 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 but you know had had to pay it anyway because like yes taxes are a headache nobody wants to do it but it, you know in the long run it will really help you uh, especially if you're trying to establish yourself as a freelancer because bigger projects come from bigger companies and they all require an official receipt. Right. So like that was one mistake that I wish that I was on top of. <laughs> of course, it cost, because it cost me that much money. Um, so yeah, like I, I would definitely tell my younger self back then, take your taxes seriously. This isn't just like, you know, <laughs> this isn't some kind of weird personal rebellion or something. You have to pay your taxes. And I would advise like young freelancers everywhere to, you know, you have to stay on top of it. You really do. Uh, I guess for on my on my end, it's um, I think the one of the lessons uh, lessons or mistakes yeah, mistakes. mistakes. Oh, yeah. So one of the mistakes that I find myself uh, falling into often is the the familiarity of everything. So for example, you know, if you've been in the field and industry for X number of years, and you think you know, every, you you it's like muscle memory to you. Uh, I I sometimes not usually I sometimes fall into the trap of under preparing because everything's already. Like, yeah. I, I know how this will go in the back of my head already. Yeah. And then so when it's when you under prepare that you realize oh I should have done this or I should have done that. And then you know sometimes you bite more than you can chew yeah. sort of thing or uh, not you you're not managing expectations to your client. Or sometimes you say yes to a budget, and then budget like is totally inept to cover the whole. So yeah, you know, underpreparedness is the biggest like mistake. For I, me. I I would also say um, if ever you work with friends, it's easy to fall into the trap that you know people will just stick to their word and you know yeah. verbal agreements are okay. Right, right. Uh, if you're if you're doing something as serious as starting a company, verbal agreement is never okay. So um, have everything on paper, even if it's between friends. Yeah. Yeah. Like as a, as a, as an official professional, you know, courtesy, have everything down 
on paper. If you don't understand the, the language of paperwork, ask somebody. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. If, ask if, them what it means. If your friend who you trust and want to work with, does someone have anything on paper that's kind of a red flag? Just stay friends with them. Stay friends, don't work with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would, that would be like one, one of my um, biggest mistakes as well. Have everything on paper. Do you guys, do you guys deal with actual lawyers or just uh, one and a half? Mm -hmm. um, what what I did before was I actually asked um, a cousin of mine who is um, a lot older. I'm like, what does this mean? And she was like, you know, she she told me that oh that that means you're not getting paid. Like who who did who did that to you? You know, something like that. Something even as as simple as asking somebody who might have gone through this before, who maybe have uh, has read that statement before, or if you have friends who are lawyers. Um, which I wish I had back in college. Like if if you could go back in college, I would make friends in law. Accounting, <laughs> yeah. law and Same, accounting, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Make I'm, make I'm, make friends in those I'm departments. A wide network. <laughs> make friends in those departments as, as well. But like um, you know, yeah, you can you can ask somebody who's older, or you know, even if, if if you trust this person, ask them. What does can you explain to me what this means? Um, because it sounds like to me that this is you know, this is veering in this direction. Okay. Yeah. Moving on from mistake, how? I, a while ago, I was asking you guys about how can you how do you find uh, opportunities and new clients? How then, what about, have you ever uh, like turned down an opportunity because you thought, oh, this is really good. Like, you're, you're talking about like about streaming, but let's say there's a client or an opportunity, oh, it looked look really good, but you decide to not take it on because you really felt that, I know this is really uh, not gonna work out. Or some of their project, you know, midway through, you realize, oh, this client is worth more trouble than they're worth. And how do you um, break that off, say no? Um, how do you judge, like maybe, a client where it costs a lot of money, it would have been a lot of money, but it's just not uh, aligned with your work. Yeah, I have a few of those. Yeah. There, there have been a lot. You want to go first? Okay, well, on that regard, uh, how do you deal with a client that's like, um, like basically a health client? Yeah, yeah. Um, just for me, like, just finish the project because one, you can always charge it to experience. Uh, the fact that you 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 surpass this client already adds more character and you know more you know it, it builds character right so that's one two portfolio it's still portfolio yeah. even if you, let's say you lost money in it it's still your portfolio it still adds portfolio yeah. um, but opportunities that I had to say no to yeah there there have been a few so especially when I did my documentary my full length documentary there were two opportunities that I had to say no to and looking back I would have had. Yeah, I would have made more money, right? So one, <laughs> one ha has nothing to do with my field. Yeah. So I was also this is in 2013. Right? I was also part of a band, and our band was uh, pretty big now. We were already in like we were doing resorts, world gigs already, and all that. At the same time, I was also doing freelance videography, and I had to make a decision. My band got accepted into a cruise, so that means abroad. Yeah. But I also won a grant to create my full length documentary. And so I chose to do the documentary side. Right now my band has been to like seventy countries <laughs> and are, you know, earning millions or whatever. So yeah, that, that's one choice I had to do. But I stuck to the field that I was more comfortable with, which is video. Plus in the long term, this field and industry has better like ladder in that sense. And then second was, again, I had to choose, in the same field of mine, I had to choose between doing my documentary or becoming head of an up-and-coming advertising firm. Uh, they were looking to create uh, 
parang a video, an in-house video sub-company yeah. and they wanted me to head that but I was in the midst of already doing my documentary so I didn't have time to do this so I chose my documentary again and then the company sadly the owner passed away so it really didn't go anywhere also so yeah those are the two choices that I had to do well um, as a as a freelancer as a racketista <laughs> there are a lot there are a lot that like especially if you have like for example a um, um, conflict in schedule or something and it is really really hard not to give in to the temptation that if something comes along and it pays more money than what you already said yes to it is so hard to turn it down but the thing is that the thing that you have to uh, know also and I'm talking to myself as I say this also is that you know uh, if, if you if you suddenly backtrack on this you know lesser paying one even though you committed to it and go for the um, you know the one with more money that is also marring your name yeah so that integrity, is not yeah in, integrity wise it's like uh, it's very crucial for a freelancer yes yes you know word will get around world will get around that you 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 know you flaked on this one you went mm -hmm. for this one then you know somehow people talk it's it doesn't do well for your reputation if you do that so um, although turning down you know a big amount of money for something that you might have booked on the same day that doesn't pay as much sounds like in the short term a loss in the long term it is not because world will get around that like hey she's she's good to work with she's solid you know you you, you uh, she's reliable um, but yeah it has it, it was hard especially when I was starting out because when I was free when I was starting out as freelancer it was so easy oh this pays you know fifty thousand or something I should go go for this instead of this one that pays you know like only ten thousand or something but I I found out really quickly not to do that um, because yeah yeah people yeah people will people will talk. Yeah eventually word will get around especially if you plan on staying long term in one industry um, another thing also is that uh, sometimes you don't I mean you know different doors will open as well and I you know I, I, I remember one opportunity that I had to turn down uh, I don't tell a lot of people this but I was actually um, shortlisted for Moana in Hong Kong Disneyland uh, when I auditioned for when I auditioned for um, Disney right over the steps dance studio um, During the callback. I was one of those that was contacted. They're like we're interested in getting you as face character face character Meaning the actual princess which uh, according to my friends that work in Disney actually get paid the most um, So I would have a dream job working in Disneyland and everything being a, <laughs> being a professional um, princess, but uh, but at the same time there was this casting call for TV5 saying, hey, we're looking for esports casters and commentators and reporters. Um, and I went to that audition. And this almost happened at the same time. They, I got a call that I got a call back for the esports thing, and I also got a call back for Disneyland. And I had I really had to weigh my options because like that would that would um, going to Disneyland would mean uprooting everything, starting fresh in a whole other country, definitely with a lot more money, and then the opportunity to build something. Um, as a freelancer independently here in the Philippines. So obviously I went for her. I didn't go for Disneyland. Um, at, the, at the same time, you know, you, you know, at the same time you can always look back, but you know, it, it, it never helps. You made a decision. What's that gonna do? Except for, you know, wistful, ah, I could have been this, I could have been that. But it's done. So um, yeah, happy, happy where I am now. In any case, it led to a whole lot more exciting things. and. Uh, I did end up going to Disneyland anyway, but as a guest. <laughs> yeah. okay, I want <laughs> to add to this, but can you repeat the question? I just want to make yeah. sure it's still in line. Yeah, so basically, um, 
how do you, were there clients where you, or opportunities where you felt that ah, you okay. had to turn down or you felt that? Okay, so. How do you do it? Um, I think it's a little bit more flexible in the production side. Um, especially if you have a, a pool already of network people, of people that you trust, right? Um, just a saying, I'm not, it's, it's, it, you shouldn't like stick to it literally, but they're saying you, there's three options to choose two, right? Um, you call this cheap, fast, or good, right? Right? You can't get all three. You can't get all three. Two, yeah. yeah. Um, but sometimes, again, as what Mika said, integrity is still, as a freelancer, is still the, I think, the highest like value. Um, if you say yes to a cheap and fast, you have to do it cheap and fast. Yeah. You, um, so I, sometimes there were times where in like, uh, for example, there's no project, and a friend would come up to me, heavily discounted rate, I'd say yes to it. And because it's a friend, because I can talk to this friend, I have a good relationship, I can always say, hey, do you mind if I push back the project a little bit more? A major client just came in, and I have to focus on this. Then yeah, that, that's okay. Yeah. They understand. But if it's, if it's a you know a project with a client that you don't really know, and you have to be professional with them, you have to be professional with them. So it, it, like, I think integrity is still trumps like fifty thousand pesos more. You know, right? For yeah, me, it's, yeah. Yeah. Integrity and accountability yeah. as well. I mean, if you made a mistake, double booked or anything, you you, you know, and, and you're caught, there's something you can do about it. But complain, um, you know, tell them maybe offer to help find a replacement or something to do to right. help fix it. Yeah, but the, the, yeah, the best the best way to remedy that is again expand your network. So if I have to edit something and a client comes in that you know it's a good opportunity, even if I'm gonna take significantly less, I, I will look for an editor who has the same style who I trust. To, to head this project so at least the client's still with me yeah. even though I take significantly less at least you know it's a thing yeah so I think like um, yeah that's right integrity accountability and transparency transparency as well I mean um, you have to be as honest as you can sure. I think, especially as a especially as a freelancer like we said word gets around eventually well, can I segue to since we're bringing up the things like fees, because one thing that you know, most I think most freelancers also, this was always asking about is basically like, people wonder how much do you charge for certain things, how do you think? And, like for me, it's a graphic design. It's always one of the best kept secrets. Nobody knows how much, how <laughs> yeah. much, how do you charge? You charge right. for a project for hours, but yeah, uh, I'm not gonna ask you guys like, how you charge and all that. But um, for example, what what um, in, in your fields, like yeah, how secretive is it, or do people can know what the rates are, no, and how do you avoid? How do you avoid? Because there was that danger that everyone's just trying to undercut each other, not right. yeah. And, so, and yeah. since we don't have a union, it's, it's so annoying. Things, it's so annoying. Right? Right. Like, like, I mean, like, something like, oh, this guy's in this chart, like, 500 bits, so how can yeah. I charge you? Yeah, so, how, how, how do you guys deal with, with that? Yeah, first of all, I'm, I'm so annoyed that we don't have unions. <laughs> I'm so annoyed. So annoying. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I would say that, of course, the reply of every freelancer is that it depends. Yeah. And it's not just like a negotiating thing but because it really really does depend yeah. um, creative endeavors are obviously a lot more friendly and negotiable than corporate yep. um, endeavors usually when people say corporate there is a set um, there there is a there people know there's a budget for it and will charge considerably more maybe two or three times the amount that they will charge a creative entity maybe even four or five times um, depending on what it is for um, for say uh, hosting for example 
if it's a whole, um, like for example, TV5 gets me as producer for a whole season, they will charge me a less amount um, per season. Like they charge me um, five thousand for producing one hour, one uh, a one hour show. But that is like a guaranteed set amount for the whole entire season. Um, so they might get you that like by bulk, and then have um, have you do that. And in complete fairness, TV5 is probably the most chill production that I've ever had to work with. So I feel like I'm not even working when I'm there. Um, and then you will have, of course, your corporate entities wherein they'll have like a, you know, a one minute or a 30 seconder. And just for writing that, you can charge, like you mentioned, you can charge 50,000 or you can charge 40,000 for that. Um, sometimes what we, what we find um, we end up doing is that they'll, we'll ask for a budget and then from that budget we work backwards okay then how small is the crew and everything and how far and then and then we, we balance it out with okay this is your budget but it's what you want you're not gonna get this unless you yeah. uh, you know increase right. yeah, this yeah and then and then we ask you ask yourself as well are you okay with working uh, um and uh, on this ad for like a budget of this much if not maybe you can find somebody else that's that's when the network comes in also maybe there's a um, um, somebody who needs the money more needs to experience more or something willing to work for that much and you can go get a bigger project later on but, yeah. Okay, so um, I think if you're a fresh guy and you're starting out, I think like you shouldn't be concerned about the pricing just yet. I, I hate that I'm saying this because we usually lose out to students because they charge either zero or like you know one percent, right? <laughs> um, and there, but it's important for you to build your portfolio first. In fact, even at this day and age, even at, at where I am right now, I am still willing to do certain shoots for free, especially if they're new, uh, if, if I haven't done them for my company yet. So, like, for example, right now I'm thinking about doing, like, food shoots around the show, and, like, I'm willing to do it for for 50% off or zero, just so I can get my hands into it. And then, from there, that's when I'll charge. But you shouldn't, I think the number one thing is you shouldn't value your skill. So, but um, if you're if you're really good at it, off the bat, let's say you're a fresh grad, charge already. I mean, you're good at it. If they want you, they want you. So mm, that's that's true. And I um, I think also like something that come something that's a factor in like on camera work is um, uh, see if there's an exclusivity clause. Because like for example, one thing that happens with uh, I, I see a lot of talents that will say yes to digital ads. For example, um, say yes to a real estate ad, it's a digital ad, and then it's for like 5000 But what you don't realize you're saying yes to is that um, they, they say there's no lockout. They say there's no lockout period, which means that, oh, even if you shoot with us, you can still do ads with like, um, let's say, uh, company X or company B and everything. It's not recommended. Yeah, yeah. So that that's true. Legally, you can. But um, the, 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 the part that's not on paper is that since your face has already appeared, in the ad itself, uh, companies won't get you anyway. Yeah. Companies won't, won't get that anyway. So, part, like, try to make sure that there is a, you know, that you are guarding yourself in that sense, that you are compensated for the amount of work that you will lose should you go for this certain project. Especially if it's like a, if there, if for example, if it's a, if your um, face is appearing on a print ad or on a TVC, how long is it running for? How long can they use it for? And how much work will you be losing out on because you are appearing in that ad? Like we were saying, for example, in graphic, because that that brings up the topic of you know, 
you do it for the exposure, right? So where's the big? I you shouldn't, you know, but you're saying there are certain situations where it actually does uh, work. And we, like I, I tell my students, hey, you have to be strategic about it. Yeah. So how, how, like, how do you judge? Okay, this is something where I, I feel it will benefit. You know, it's, it's a legitimate marketing expense. It's not paying money. I'm paying my my time and effort. Okay, so uh, you look at the you look at the industry or the field. For example, um, so let's say your group of students put up their own company, right? And they want to go into, let's say, the ad agency route, right? Um, I suggest that you charge already because you're not the pioneers of it. There are, there are competitors already. So why will you shoot yourself in the foot by charging free? If you, if you can, if you're confident enough that you can deliver, charge already. That's my point. So for example, like the food thing, like, as far as I'm concerned, when I go to IG and publish on, like nobody has videos of food, for example, right? So I'm kind of entering a field that I want to introduce, and so I can afford to do it for free once, so that you know I plant the seed and then people realize, hey, that's right, it works. Like I can, like because of your video, I'm getting more clients, for example, right? So, but if if somebody else is already doing it, if there are I. IG videos already of food and they've been charging already why will I come in free it's like I could probably come in cheaper but not for free because you know that's why for example sorry um, when I did videos for Bali Philippines it was I was probably the first Bali Manila never had videos yet so I could do it for free because it was a it was a trial and error sort of thing they liked it and it worked right now they're still doing videos so you know yeah with the I, I hate the term for exposure because, of course, it's you know, it's uh, it's, it's it's a thorn in the side of every creative and uh, you know professional, I would think. Um, but I, I don't want to think of it as more of for exposure because undoubtedly you will have projects like that, and sometimes the exposure really is good. It really is for good exposure. It's more of like I would think for investment. Like think think about it as like, are you willing to invest your time and your effort in this, and will you actually see the returns um, of it? you know within a suitable amount of time for you so for example if, if you have like um, if you have this opportunity that says you know we, we, we're not gonna pay you that much but um, you know for, for exposure or something you'll be on like yeah, nationwide TV or you get this you know um, lovely recurring job that, that will get you for the whole season something like that um, think of it as you know on your side not for exposure but for investment are you willing to invest your time and effort in this seeing that it will give you more opportunities in the long run so um, I, I think it's it, it will yield smarter decisions if you think of it as for investment rather than for exposure because sometimes for exposure yeah. gives you a kind of a sense of just you know commercially whoring yourself out there. Um, if, if you're investing something, it kind of it kind of gives you the sense of you have something to lose. Such you a good really term. Do. Yeah. So yeah. Again, going back to my example in the food videos, yeah. I'm investing in it. That's why I'm doing it for free first because right. right? I, I want to see where the investment will. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, yeah it's a good term because basically if you say for exposure, the assumption is that you're supposed to you paid already, you already got yeah. the benefit. Yeah. But it's, it's yeah. Benefit, the benefit is still going to come. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah. Right. Check on it. right, right. Um, so, and for exposure kind right. of like hints that you have nothing to lose. Right. You do have something to lose. Right. You do have something to lose. So, um, well, I mean, like Rafi, you mentioned a while ago, like, we were talking about certain opportunities you felt like to pass up and all that. But are there opportunities? What about opportunities where you felt it's something I'm not? It's not quite in my wheelhouse, but I'll give it a shot. But I'll fake it that I make it. How do you? A lot of times, that's a way to expand. Like I've done projects, but they asked me before, can you do an app? I was like, 
Yeah, we're kind of learn on the job. Um, how, how do you? Uh, are there? Have you done projects like that? And how do you navigate? Oh yeah, uh, definitely. Especially, for example, like there are certain projects that um, people expect that you know how to do because you've been in the field for yeah, so yeah. long now. So, uh, it. So what I do is yes. Yeah, some if let's say I have little or zero experience in it, I build my team around the project who have a lot of experience on it. So what happens is it's just that I PR. Yeah. They're actually doing the work and I'm just doing the PR yeah. or the, the client interface. That's one. Two is you be truthful, manage expectations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there are a lot of projects where they had to fake it till you make it. So. I, I, I have this big smile on my face because fake it till you make it is my motto. <laughs> It's, it's basically my motto. I mean, like you know, the whole esports thing was fake. It was me faking it till I till, till I made then it. Again, till I made know, it. You take a risk. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like um um, I I a, a friend posted recently about like you know, oh, fake it till you make it. Is, is that actually the, a, a good advice, or is that gonna is that you shooting yourself in the foot? And somebody actually said, you know what? In this day and age, it actually is really really good advice because part of it, um, part of marketing yourself as an entrepreneur is how you present yourself. Um, first of all, make sure that you can probably deliver and you're, yeah. you're willing to give it a shot. Like Rafi said, managing expectations is like, hey, I, I don't actually do on-camera work, but if you think there's something in me, I'll give it a shot. You know, and they gave, if they're willing to give you a shot, then you do. And then you find yourself in a commercial or something, which is like, what happened to me? Um, so I, I would say definitely fake it until you make it, but not to the point that you're going to harm individuals, you know, uh, money or bank accounts or something. I mean, like, you know, don't tell them to invest in something or, you know, to that point. But if it, it's more of if, if you are given the opportunity. And, but you feel like you it's not in your it, it, it's not in your um, skill set yet but you're given the opportunity they're like saying hey you want to come and enjoy this don't turn the opportunity down like you know give it a shot um, uh, give them a chance too uh, you never know you what skills you might be unlocking by faking it un until you actually you know uh, yeah that's make true it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah when it comes to uh, so uh, uh, we were talking a while ago about uh, you know, charging billing. when it's necessary Build the project completed. One, the other big issue is collection. That's always one. How how do you guys deal with uh, like what kind of in your particular fields? How does uh, what are the credit uh, terms of payment like? How do you okay. manage it? How do you, cash what's cash flow like? Come like, in in graphic design, but you always assume ah that's that's cash Okay, so come in. What we usually do is um, so we have a. We have a pitch meeting first, yeah. so this is where we talk about the ideas and projected budget, right? And then let's say client and supplier agrees, so we're the supplier. We, we, what we usually do is, uh, on contract, we ask already for like 50% down. Yeah. And then 50% upon completion, right? And then we usually don't like, sometimes client will, will, will you know, make pakiusap na parang, okay number if, Within completion, they give you, you know, uh, what do you call this, a series of checks instead of one time, big time. Yeah. So it's really up to you. As long as everything's on paper, naman. Yeah. yeah. That's all my experience. So. Yeah. Yeah. I would always say ask that. for down payment. I think that's my. Is your down payment always fifty? Fifty or less. That does that industry. You know? Fifty is ideal, but sometimes because the clients can't shell out fifty just yet. Yeah. So. And then sometimes there are also cancellation fees. Like yeah. if they cancel within, fees, yeah. you know, two what. 
a week, two to three days. A week before the no, if you cancel, you have to pay fifty percent. Yeah. The fifty, the full fifty percent. Because that's the fifties are kill fee basically. So um, I I would say like for example like like when I do hosting events, payment is usually after. Uh, if it's not, then um, ask ask your organizer, ask whoever is in charge of what are the payment terms. I mean, that's your right, of course, um, um, working for them. You have to know the payment terms. And I would say don't say yes to a project unless you know the payment terms and are okay with that. Um, yeah. Sometimes, for example, for bigger companies like TV5, TV5 pays um, like a month after usually. And at least I know that. I can anticipate. It's, it's not so bad. Yeah. Some clients are 60 days. Yeah. Days. There's then, some clients that are like six months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then so. getting into like the, the commercials, yeah. the commercial side of it, <laughs> you are lucky if you get paid a week after. Yep. You are still lucky if you get paid three months after. The standard, standard is usually six for six to eight yeah. months. And there's some and people who haven't been paid in years. So I yeah. like 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 my, my my last commercial that paid me was I, I shot it uh, last year, so it was like one year later, and we we're like two to two. It's been one year now. Um, so yeah, it, it does vary. Just make sure that you know and you are prepared for those payment terms. So like there there is no I mean like just just like uh, just like regular billing. It does depend. But just make sure that like when, when the terms are presented to you that you're okay with that. And it's more of like for you, I would say as an individual, as a freelancer, so that you know how to space your, your finances. And if you know that there's always something to catch you. I mean sometimes being paid late benefits you. It's like, hey, I surprise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like wow, you got a Christmas bonus, bonus, bonus or something. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes that happens. Yeah. That's a great surprise. But just make sure that you know there there is something there always to catch you. And then, um, sometimes, for example, if you're in the supplier in the supplier end of things, um, there's so I, I put a clause in certain clients that I know that pay late. Yeah. Uh, I will not deliver unless you pay the final fee. I'll show you the final output, yeah. but I will I will not give it to you until you give it give the full payout. Yeah. 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 Something like yeah. that. Or like a, for example, for, for videos or something, you can always put the watermark or not get full video or it's not fully rendered or it's a low or rest low video. Rest, yeah. yeah. When it comes to things like, for example, like traffic, revisions, or are there things like revisions also with performing or like number of takes? How do you factor that into your pricing? Into it's your always, contract? you know, revisions are always part of the contract. So, for example, in editing, uh, you have, I'm not sure if you have it with you, but we have offline and online. So, no. offline is more of the shot selections, mm -hmm. online is part of the color grading, animation, uh, text, and all that. Okay. So, we usually have like, we give three revisions for offline, meaning we give you first pass, revise it one, that's revision one, and then two, and then three. On the third, that's your last. And then if you want another revision, that's an additional, let's say, 5,000, for example. And then on online, then, and then two revisions on online. So, it's mostly revisions. It's studies that we give, like three studies. There you go, yeah. Two studies, five revisions of that study. Yeah, so the difference, I think, young studies in is in the pitch. Yeah. So we give you three ideas in the pitch. Those are, those are the yeah, studies. I don't say in the pitch, yes, we give you, Sam, I'm not sure how yours works. Like. It's a Sam, and like, yeah, I mean, that used to we be pitch tough, yeah. three, but we're not going to get paid for it yeah, yeah. if you don't get chosen. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah. I would say like um, um, currently because I deal with a lot of live broadcasts, so yeah. there is no revision. <laughs> there is no revision, even if you sneeze on camera, which has happened to me. <laughs> I have got, well, cough 
stopped on camera. Um, but uh, there, there's usually no revision. But um, for example, like say if you're dealing with a commercial and you mentioned like number of takes, that uh, as an on-camera talent, that's actually on you. Like for example, like the, if 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 it's if it's totally different, like let's say they they made you do this scene and it's something incredibly different, like from instead of on top of a building, you're now on the parking lot and yeah. something um, happens that changes your performance. That is definitely uh, something that's covered by you, most talent contracts. Uh, that the the storyboard and the like the workshop has to be set before you know you actually going to shoot because it also saves time on the production side. But for example, if it goes down to number of takes, that's I would say on uh, you as a performer, um, how many number of takes you're you're going to do. So of course, if you just want it to be quick and done, then you have to perform your best and make sure that you know what the director's talking about. Right, this was a little personal question now. What's it like? Do you guys work on stuff together also? Yeah. So what's it like when you have to work, especially both in professional projects or some personal creative projects? What's it like having to work together? Now, you know, of course you're a couple, but then you have to work. But like, like me and Ria, when we work on stuff together, like before we used to run the, the studio together. Mm -hmm. But then after a while, one, one, one tension we'd always have is, for example, she'd tell me that she'd handle like, the books and then, when there's a problem, I can't rant you because basically, you're also <laughs> my boss or my partner, so my best rant you, but you know about this, I can't stand so we can't talk about it. But we have those little things sometimes in the house about those. those. Yeah, so yeah. What, what kind like when you guys work on stuff? Well, it's, it's exciting when you're on those things. Mm -hmm. But what are the pros and cons when you guys work together on, on both personal project and a professional like a client project? Yeah. Well, I would say that like it definitely has its challenges. But because we also know each other so well, we know how to adjust right away. It's like you know, it's 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 for example, if if Rafi's preparing this scene and I'm a production manager for that project, I know immediately to set the next scene because I know he's running short on time and everything. So it's, it's kind of nice knowing, and at the same time, I know that he's the quality that he produces. So I know like, okay, we can definitely promise time, this and everything. Um, so it's nice that we also have each other's backs uh, and, and we know that. At the same time, yes, it's true because like when we go home, there is no break. There, there, there is no break from, from work. Like, you know, um, like when we came home from our, you know, script, uh, uh, when we were finalizing our script and everything, we went home and we were still discussing that. We were yeah. still we were still going through that. So it, we it's easy also then because um, like different. Well, okay. The one challenge was there was one time I think that she was the director mm. and I was just like the editor or shooter or something. But so, because we discuss a lot um, and sometimes like before anyway, I got used to her deferring to me. Because of the direction, but then she's the director. I always forget. Oh, not wait. Final call is yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. there's still, there's still adjustments here and there. But mm -hmm. I think, basically, generally, uh, because we bounce off each other's ideas and we're comfortable with each other's like taste in that yeah. sense, so it mm -hmm. works well for us. Yeah, and um, I think it helps also that we have different skill sets. Yeah. Um, for example, like I, I, I thrive more on the. Uh, production management side of it the logistics and everything and then he's more on the creative side and like see, making sure the, the technical the side technical as, and the technical side as well so for example you don't really cross the same yeah 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 yeah, yeah. The, the rules are very clearly yeah. also yes yes but like uh, for for example like when right now since we're uh, going more into making more films together making our own content like for example yesterday uh, when we were fleshing out our script, we were definitely like, you know, oh, the character should do this. And we're like, no, 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 I want it to be this way. No, 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 no. But it's nice because we're, we're so used to having each other as a sounding board. Yeah. So, like, even for example, when, when clients hire me for, 
like let's say uh, producing this, producing that. Some I, I tell them that somehow in a way they're also hiring him because when I go home, eventually I'm like, oh, we did this today. What do you think of this? And he gives his suggestions also, and that, that's the same way also with him. And what do you think of this? Like for example, with all of the video edits that he does, he usually shows me first. So like uh, the, that's what I, I usually say. Like for example, if you're hiring one, you're indirectly hiring yeah. somebody <laughs> else also. It's basically like your, your skill sets also find you make each other grow, but you're also sort of absorbing each other's skill yeah, sets, each yeah. other's skills also. Yeah. Really. And I would say also that's how we eventually got into freelancing as well, because mm-hmm. like we realized that like, oh hey, um, okay, you can shoot this video. Oh well, I can plan this out. Mm-hmm. So that's also how we got the ball, but the ball rolling. Did she get, get her as the project manager? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last question, basically. Uh, so how like. You guys have been talking about also doing aside from uh, doing freelance work for clients and all that. You're trying to do your own uh, your own personal works, mm-hmm. creative work, which of course I, I assume you want to do for successes. What's the difference in mindset you're having between doing work uh, yes, as professionals for other people and now sort of doing something that you are going to try to manage yourself, go straight to you know uh, straight to an audience rather than doing someone else's video? What's the, what's the how does it affect your does, does it affect your working style, your working mindset? Well, because I, I, I'm usually a producer, definitely affects me because when it's a creative, you know, endeavor, like for example, our own films, I always think, oh, money. <laughs> because, you know, when, when you do have your own um, or individual, like creative uh, projects and everything, there's no getting away from it. You will, you, you will have to shell out some of your own, right. whether yeah. it's, you know, whether it's your time, whether it's, you know, saying no to other projects or whether it's your own heart or in cash. You do have to shell out. So, like on on my end, that's that's part of it. But I also tell myself that, like you know, it's it's like our babies mm-hmm. in a way. Like you know, when when actually when we when we talk about it, it's almost as if we're like talking about having a kid. Like, are we ready to make a new film? <laughs> <laughs> you think we're ready for it? <laughs> so um, you have to like, find Ninongs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to find Ninongs. It is. It is like that. It's 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 basically as 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 serious and as life changing as as you know. Um, Venturings and something like that because you're gonna see something, you're gonna see it grow, you're gonna have to ship it off to festivals and everything. Um, so that's a lot of your personal investment in it. When when you go into working for somebody else, you just do good work and then you just call it. You can tap out and say bye at the end of the day. Yeah. In a in, in your own you know or, um, creative endeavor, you can't ever say you can't ever tap out. Right. Not, not not ever. Like not even out of mananaya. Not yeah. even out of you know, or, or, or yakup or something. We can't, you can't ever tap out that. It's like you, you have, you have a dog now, you have a kid now, you have, a, you know, you have a film now or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you guys, for example, with with, um, with those kinds of projects, but how much of it is planning out? Oh, you know, it could be an asset later on. Or how much of it should be just in the artists in the United States to get this out? It doesn't matter if it you know, uh, makes money or not. Is it, you know, how, how, there some people who, uh, I guess, they really look at it as uh, it's part of the professional life. Yeah. You know, others should be, no, this is a break from my professional life. I just want to do something to recharge my soul. Mm-hmm. Right. Or is it somewhere in between? Well, uh, I think, like, honestly, in in the situation right now in the Philippines, parang indie films or, you know, personal project films and like what we plan on doing we're not really but money is just a good bonus like it earning is just a good bonus like I'm not sure if it 
like if if it's even a viable step in terms of like livelihood in that sense. So yeah, I think it's more of I don't know, but it's more of like a it's like a thing that you want to just you know release. It's, it's it's definitely something that I'm currently struggling with, especially that since um, we're at the age right now where you have to think okay long term. How I, it's definitely a question that's popped up a lot every single day in my head right now. How long can I sustain this lifestyle? How long can keep on freelancing and doing you know all of this? Because eventually we're gonna. It, freelancing takes up a lot of energy, and eventually you'll reach a point where you'll run out of energy. And what are the how how can you sustain yourself with that? You don't have tenure. You know you don't you don't have tenure. You don't have um, other benefits that companies will eventually give. And and of course it, it enters my head that like okay eventually you're gonna have to go back into corporate. Um, and but you know right now we don't know how the landscape is going to look like five years from now, ten years from now. It might change or something. But um, taking steps towards that at an early age is definitely some way to future-proof yourself. You know, uh, a company might not do it for you, but it helps to have a health card, it helps to have SSS, it helps to have you know investments and savings, just to make sure that you know you 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 have something. So when you can, you, you definitely should, I feel. It also helps, I think, to have, like for example, for these creative endeavors, not just think of it as like a one-off, okay, it's there. And people watch the movie and that's it. Like, I, I you know, included in that plan is like, could you possibly make this into a series? Could you possibly do this? So trying to extend those creative endeavors to something that's also long-term, so that you, know, you still have content coming out and opportunities coming out for you as well. But then, not going to lie, it's, it's it's definitely something that I think freelancers everywhere right now are struggling with, and that they don't have the answer to that just yet. A concrete answer. So, Drop, do you have any uh, tips for any students who might want to enter the fields that you're in? Any tips you want to give them that they should be aware of? Get an accountant. <laughs> Get an accountant. It's a it's a it's a serious yeah. tip though, because yeah. um, for for one other other than they've already heard the. The, the issue about paying taxes and everything, but um, I know that there are a lot of tax apps yeah. uh, and a lot of people who, who say that, oh, you can just do this by yourself, you can save money by doing this for yourself, but like, as I learned, for example, the, the, the penalty, for example, that I had at the BIR was lessened considerably because the accountant knew somebody and he was like, oh, na lang and everything. Those are the things that apps cannot do. Little pakiusap, little things that you hire accountants for. You know, uh, I mean, it, it, it is part of you know that culture you yeah, have you know you 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 have some things that they know tax laws change all the time you know apps might not follow get us updated as often or something or you know something as simple as like kilala ko yung security cards of EIR and everything and he was able to get a form or something that would cost you this much so little little things like that little things that require human interaction i think are important in something as you know as as so gravely important as taxes. So I would say um, getting an accountant over just doing it by yourself, unless you're an accountant yourself. Yes. Um, uh, I would say just have just have an accountant. They're they're trained to uh, walk through the maze that is the BIR and tax laws of the Philippines. So that's one major tip that I would have. Thank you, thank you for. But I don't know what to what tip to give it. But okay. Like for, like, uh, oh, I, I wanted to ask you guys because um, we talked about a while like networking, forgetting clients, and all that. But you mentioned about graphic, but about writing the pitches, right? yeah. or you talked about audition. But that's, that's something where uh, it, it's it's a, it's a risk in a sense because basically you have to invest that additional time. It's something that you're not sure you know, if you're 
you're gonna get something out of, diba? How how um, how important is, is are, are is pitching auditions uh, in your in your experience compared to you know a getting job? Something that's more sure because I have a network or referral. Like you pitch off, like me, honestly, like in our, we don't pitch that often. We then right. work so, with networks because we, we find it it's too high risk in time in, but I don't know with your fields. Uh, for for uh, for my first five years in the industry, alone, like away from my dad, um, I relied more on word of mouth and networks. So I, I've never pitched yeah. in the first five years. But uh, what was nice in the first five years because I was able to develop my portfolio. I knew exactly what my like masteries or skill sets are, what I'm good at, and then from there, I slowly started looking for other clients via pitching. So, so yeah, I mean, like you don't have to follow my path. I think my path is a little slower, but it builds a lot more confidence because I'm on my end, and that like. It, the path that I went through. Um, I think, I guess the advice that I could give would be like, um, be flexible, but don't be a walking mat or doormat. Don't be, don't bend over backwards too much because especially like fresh grads, uh, I think like what's killing the industry or what's not, what's stopping the industry from getting its uh, dignity, I guess, is that there are fresh grads out there who will do it for next to nothing. And they're good already. Yeah. Like these students are amazing at what they're doing, but they don't charge. So I think that's what's you know degrading, devaluing the Everybody's, industry. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think as an artist, um, especially if you're, you're 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 putting out work, you really have to know your why. Like mm-hmm. why why are you doing this or why is your work this way? It's it's part of your personal brand as well, and it's part of what's going to set um, um, you know apart you apart from other artists who are doing the exact same thing as you so the why is what sets every everybody apart because everybody has a different why so you really have to find that and um, really you know really take that with you wherever you go because that's going to be like even as a freelancer if you go go from this to this 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 that why is really going to um, set you apart and fuel your decisions as well so that's one thing another is like don't be afraid to put yourself out there. It's so much easier th- these days because of social media. It's so easy to to show people who you are, what you can do, and you know your talents and everything. And, uh, because of this is the, because you know these kids now have social media. You know, there's so use it now. Right. The, the tool is there for you guys. I mean, ten years ago nobody had that. We were all on freelancing sites. You know, drafting proposal letters and everything. Like, and word that, of mouth is the best. Yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're much a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With regards to pitching, by the way, I would definitely say uh, pitching is probably one of the most important life skills. Because even even like when you're when you're networking, when you're introducing yourself, hi, my name is so and so and so. I do this, this, and this. You are pitching yourself, even if you're not in a even if you're not in like a boardroom or something with a PowerPoint presentation. You are pitching yourself. So I think part of that is is something that you need to learn how to do, especially if you're thinking of going into uh, freelancing and then, you know, setting up something by yourself. Uh, not just for your work, but for yourself uh, as well. And I think one part of you, something that helps pitching is knowing your why, knowing your story. Because um, when you're pitching, well, I, I like to think of it, when you're pitching, you're telling a story. And that's how you grip your your audience as well, whether your audience is like CEOs or your agency people approving this 
this this this next ad or something it's 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 a story and uh, you know people are always you know uh, gripped and you know their attention is held when it's a good story so you just have to make sure you're telling a good story all the time okay that is, yeah. uh, thank you so much thank you